Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fantasy football playoffs are here. We start breaking it down this week on Fantasy Sports Today. A lot of baseball news to get to as well. Joe Pizapia and Craig Mish, our show on FST starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And good afternoon. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia with you here on the show. Today is Tuesday, December 3rd, 2019. The fantasy football playoffs are here. For some of you, that means you're moving on. For some of you, that means, Craig and Joe, talk about something else. I know. I know. That's how it goes. We got Sean Guastamacchia producing the show. And, uh, Joe, we, we kind of start where we left off yesterday, which was an absolutely... Wild game yesterday. Uh, 37 points scored between Seattle and Minnesota. Uh, the Vikings looked like they were in control of this one for a long period of time. Dalvin Cook got hurt. Then Seattle took control. And uh, and look, you know, it's going to be a really interesting race, I think, for the MVP because Wilson just keeps putting himself right back in this conversation. Uh, clearly, Lamar Jackson's got to be the favorite. But uh, a scenario it looks like it's playing out here, Joe, where Seattle and San Francisco are going to battle this thing right down to the end to see who wins the division. And dare I say that the loser of that battle has a really unfortunate spot coming up. It looks like with a road trip in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, let me tell you, 67 points. So if you had 66 and went with the over, you, you hit. You did well there. But 67, an incredibly fun football game. Uh, a couple takeaways for me in this game. It was at first good to see DK Metcalf actually catch balls. And then, of course, he had that turnover, which is, uh, you know, he's got to protect that football. Uh, you got to predict that football, but watching Russell Wilson in that pocket, when you watch the lateral movement and you watch how he's able to uh, evade, step up, move to the side, move to the left, lose to the right, get his receivers more time to get open. It makes such a huge difference. And, and you know, the mobility is one thing, but it's, it's pocket awareness, pocket presence. And all of that, when you watch Russell Wilson play quarterback to me, has been really impressive. And it's been quite an evolution. And I want to remind everybody too, when Russell Wilson came in the league, he came in the league to a really good team really quickly. And they were making Super Bowls and doing all these things. And he was the kind of quarterback that, you know, didn't necessarily make everybody around him better. He was kind of propped up a little bit by the power running game of Marshawn Lynch and a couple other tools that they had to their disposal, including a great defense. But I feel like at this point in his career, the last couple of years, we've seen a guy that really has evolved into the kind of quarterback that makes everybody around him better. He makes guys useful who might not be useful on other teams. I thought this dual potential uh, two-headed monster of a running game here with Carson and Penny. I think this is the way to go. I think this is going to be an absolute matchup nightmare for other teams in the NFC. If they can get both these guys going as good as they were, they had 176 yards between the two of them. They each had a touchdown. Uh, we know, obviously, Penny's a little bit better catching the ball in the backfield. He had four catches on top of that and another touchdown there. So this two-headed monster, along with Russell Wilson's ability to find the open man, I think everybody should be very afraid. And look, no no, you know, no slough to the, to the Vikings, too. You know, put up 30, did not check out of this game. They were behind. The third quarter came, and they were getting blown out in the third quarter after a very close score at halftime. 
and they came back at the end, man, and they really made this a football game. Very exciting, very fun. And uh, look, I mean, Laquan Treadwell siding. How about that? Anything is possible in week 13, Craig. Yeah, I mean, Lockett did nothing. That's something that you wouldn't have thought. Ugh, no. Um, you know, and that happens. And again, if, you know, you're probably... Delvin, Delvin took nine for 29 and a touchdown is not... Yeah, at least he scored, play. but imagine being down five points, having Lockett going into Monday night for your playoffs, thinking, oh, I'm in. And and that happens. Uh, I was really encouraged by Carson. I was very thankful that Carson did what he did, even with Penny in the timeshare there, because I do think that when it comes down to grinding it out in the fourth, I think when we saw who's going to get the ball, it's going to be Carson. So uh, I feel pretty good about starting him in the first round of my fantasy playoffs this week. The player that I thought last night that I would be starting this week, and I started to get excited until I saw the post game. Now, again, I'm not a big believer in post game comments. I'm not a big believer in coach speak, and I am certainly not a big believer in what players say after the game. But this will be one to monitor, Joe, with Dalvin Cook leaving the game. He claims he could have come back in. Well, okay, sure. And in the biggest game of the season, you you chose to not come back in the game. No offense. Uh, Look, I'll take his word for it, and I get it. And he claims he's going to play this week. But, man, I've been holding on to this guy, Madison, for this this reason. Yeah, I know. All, all you must have been long. just sitting there, like, penting oh, your fingers, yeah. like, oh, Mr. Yeah. Burns. He's just, now, like, now, look, Craig Mission is like, it's like midnight, and he's like, excellent. This is watching now, this listen, if Cook plays, I'm out. I'm not playing Madison, okay? I mean, I'm not stupid here. But right. if Cook is inactive, I mean, I got This is think. what you train for all year. This is I what mean, you, your whole life. he's inactive, <laughs> I would think Madison is a RB1 rock solid. Oh, 100% this, this week if he is. But look, Cook after the game said, I'm fine. Ron Rivera said, we're going to ease the workload on McCaffrey. I mean, like, you know, it's all nonsense. I don't listen to any of it until the end of the season, until they, you know, they start playing games for real, which is coming up right now. And, and do they need Cook this week? I don't know. I mean, the, the Vikings kind of do because they're going to have to fight with Green Bay to win the division. But for those of you in fantasy that are that have Madison out there, it is worth that dart to just throw it this it week is. just to see if he plays or not. Just like I did with AJ Green, who I, I think I'm going to end up cutting anyway. And we had a little flip flop too because uh, the real life implications beyond the fantasy ones. We had the Seahawks now jump to the two seed here. We have the Saints in the one seed. The 49ers are now in the fifth seed. If you could believe, if you could believe after one weekend of football that the 49ers went from the one to the five. And now next week, they play the Saints in New Orleans. I mean, can you ask for anything better than that? Yeah, yeah. The I mean, the 49ers control their own out. destiny still, even with that. So but that it, is, you can't ask play for anything more. No, that. It's, that good. it's a good finish. Setup. Yeah, it's a, oh. it's a, it's a, it's a, if the game is good, it's a good finish, of course. And the game last night was good. And so we continue to hope for that. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was just uh, a lot of points scored in the game. Now, I missed a little bit of it. There was a lot of baseball stuff going on. So for the first 30, 40 minutes of the game, I was not engaged at all. I, I mean, I couldn't have even told you what the score was. I was so busy with baseball. But the other story from football uh, yesterday is that Gardner Minshew, Joe, is going to take back over as the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you mentioned Russell Wilson. Uh, It's interesting that a lot of people have said that in the history of football, look, there's been a lot of bad signings and there's been a lot of bad players. Uh, When the Seattle Seahawks signed Matt Flynn to the contract (laughs) that they did after he played with Green Bay, that went down as one of the worst signings because he basically didn't play. With Seattle, they brought him in to not play at all. Russell Wilson took over. You guys know the rest. He's one of the best quarterbacks maybe in the history of the NFL. Nick Foles, Joe, I think is right in that Flynn category right now. Like, I think he is. We're staring at Nick Foles. Uh, After uh, yesterday, uh, the head coach, Doug Marone, said it was one of the hardest conversations he's had to have was tell Foles not only is he not starting this week, he's not starting the rest of the season. Uh, He used the excuse of their offensive line isn't good. Now, I watched the game. I don't think their offensive line is great by any means. But certainly they could have kept Foles in there, albeit, you know, the offensive line held up again, uh, for Foles a couple of weeks ago. 
Uh, does Minshew give Jacksonville any chance to succeed this year? I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing it just with the personnel and what's happened. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm happy to see him get another opportunity. I don't think I could start him in any fantasy playoff game, though. No, well, look, they're four and eight right now. That's the problem. The problem is if they just won one of these last two games. They might have still be in the hunt here with five wins. But with four, you have to win out. And then that puts you at eight and eight. And then right now, all the other teams. No, that's playoffs, not getting it. Yeah, right. You're not getting in the playoffs. So forget the playoffs. But can you make them relevant? Sure. You know, Gardner Minshew brings something else. He brings that intangible quality where there's an excitement and an energy. And I'm telling you, I, I think it's infectious. And I think it's a. It's something that the Jacksonville Jaguars, I do believe, can build on. I don't think he's a fluke in that sense. I think he's green still. I think he makes mistakes. But in terms of energy, in terms of what he brings to the table in the huddle, you see the guys when they get up there, it's a whole different vibe. And it's funny when you talk about Matt Flynn, you know, at least Mick Foles had this amazing run, you know, won the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's Flynn barely point. played yeah. with Green Bay. Yeah. And then it was like this weird thing. It was like somebody let this rumor go, hey, you know, it was really good, Matt Flynn. Do you know how much money Matt Flynn made in the NFL when all is said and done? I had to Google this. $19 million he made when all yeah, said and done. Yeah, I remember the, the deal that he got. Yeah, it was and not. How it many was, passes did he even throw in the NFL? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't even think he made the, uh, the he did, they didn't even name him the starter after all that. I mean, it reminds me of Charlie Whitehurst a little bit. They gave him oh, a, a, yeah, they gave him wow, a contract too. But look, uh, yeah, you're right. Foles will always have his moment there. If, if I'm Foles, I go back to Philly and just be the backup there. I mean, and 357 pass attempts for Matt Flynn for $19 million. Yeah, yeah, good for him. He got paid. Over six years. All right. Uh, what we'll do is we'll take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports Day. Coming up next, we'll talk some football, but also some baseball. We got the opening drive. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, a cold, cold morning for a lot of people around the country, even here where I am in South Florida, where we actually hit a 50, which is a miracle here. Watch out for the falling iguanas. Watch out for the falling iguanas from the trees. I told you about this a few weeks ago, and here we are. I haven't seen any yet today. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, Here it is, the opening drive on Fantasy Sports Today. Our first two big stories are baseball stories. The Miami Marlins yesterday, as reported by the host of the show, acquired Jonathan VR from the Baltimore Orioles. A really interesting development yesterday, Joe, as the Marlins claimed VR off waivers uh, before the one o'clock deadline. They were unable to work out a trade. I thought it was dead. I thought it was over. And then right before eight o'clock, Miami strikes a deal where they trade a prospect that honestly I had never heard of in the Marlins organization. They acquire VR. He's going to play some third, some outfield, also a backup option at second base. 
you know, the Marlins have had Yelich and Stanton and Ozuna and Real Muto players in our fantasy world, Joe, that were drafted in the first five rounds. They haven't had anyone over the last couple of years. And here they are. They have a fantasy-relevant player. In 2020, Jonathan VR is going to probably lead off for them. And my guess is still go in the third or fourth round in every fantasy draft. Over under 10 triples for Jonathan VR in that ballpark, by the way. <laughs> I feel like this is a good spot for him. It could, it could be possible. I mean, the steals is really what I'm intrigued with. Well, here. It they, is. They're going to have to run a lot. By the way, they got Jesus Aguilar, too, I should mention, off waivers. But yeah, VR was, was uh, you know, a significant move for, for, for any for any team. I don't know why he went through the American League. Joe, the American League, not one team claimed him. He went through the All AL. Right. Nobody claimed him. And then the Marlins were first up in the NL. And then they did, but... I mean, imagine that a four war player last year, 20 home runs, 40 steals. He had 60 steals two years ago. Yeah. And all, all you had to do was pay him 10 million this year. You could let him walk after the year. I, I know. It. I don't get it either, man. I don't understand it. Great job, obviously, by you breaking this news. I was so proud. I'm so proud. It's such an honor to be here. And you break news and really, I know it sounds cheesy, but I really am. It's like, oh, wow, that's cool. Um, but Jonathan VR, look, I understand a couple of years ago, he had a great season. Then he disappointed a lot of fancy people, but he bounced back in a big way last year. Is a great guy at the top of the order. You could put him. You can put him in the two hole. You can put him in three. You got Jazz Chisholm, who you acquired from Arizona, if memory serves. Um, and was it Arizona, right? That Jazz Chisholm came from. Yeah, he'll be a twenty twenty one player. Yeah, so you know he's he's on the horizon that middle infield. So in the meantime, and you got a guy like VR play second. I mean, Diaz wasn't really the answer. He didn't really hit much last year. So I think this is a great move by them uh, to add in a, a respectable, real major league ball player talent. And I think if they continue to go this route, there's a lot of other guys they can add in this range, it seems like, because it seems like they're in a position now where they have some money to spend and they can bring in some more talent to kind of bridge the gap between what they're trying to do in this rebuild. So from a fancy perspective, look, it's not Camden Yards, so that's kind of a bummer. It's going to yeah, not be the greatest the run total. That's going to be a bummer, but he's going to run a muck there. So, I, I mean, I imagine he just has a green light to himself the entire time. I can't imagine otherwise. Can you? Yeah, I mean, look, you you would you would think that you look back to what D Gordon did when he was in Miami, and and maybe similar numbers there. And um, yeah, Diaz will be their second baseman, so VR will play third. They'll move Anderson to the outfield. They'll also play VR in the outfield as well. They could also put VR at shortstop, put Miguel Rojas at third base. So uh, there's a lot of options there for sure. And in terms of Aguilar, um, you know, I'm not really sure what to expect there, but he was basically a claim. And if he hits well in the spring, they'll keep him. If not, they cut him. They don't even have to pay him. So uh, kind of a dart throw there just to see if it works out. I'm, Aguilar was a huge fantasy bust for me last year. One of my biggest busts ever, honestly. Took him everywhere. thought, oh, all he's got to do is repeat last year. That didn't work out. Um, the Reds basically uh, in one fell swoop uh, let go of Jose Peraza, opened up some money for them, Joe. And here on second down, they acquire Mike Moustakas, who finally got a multi-year deal. He's been going on these one-year deals the last couple of years. And you talk about a landing spot for this guy, man, playing second base and you know playing adequate defense. This is all he's going to need to do. Suarez is a monster at third. But that right field in Cincinnati, Joe, like I don't know what his home run total in Vegas will be. I'm guessing it'll be probably close to 30 to start off the season. He, I mean, this this guy, regardless of what the average and the OBP and all those other things, you saw what Suarez did last year. They could have 240 home run guys in Cincinnati this year. Yeah. And look, look don't discount how good of a hitter's park Miller Park is, too. So, I mean, he's been terrific there. And I'm so happy for Moustakis. I know we're going to get into this a little later on in the hour, but Moustakis to me is like, is the ball player's ball player. He goes out there. He's a winner. Uh, you know, I remember watching the, that run they had in Kansas City there. He was such a huge part of that. And I think a very underrated part of that run that people did not talk enough about. He's that guy at the top of the dugout stairs. He's an intense guy. He's a winner. And I remember sitting there, you know, as a Mets fan watching that World Series going, man, I wish I had Moustakis on my team. Like, this guy's just such an animal. He's so in, he's so into the game. And it was just mind-boggling to me that he could not get a, 
a long-term deal two years in a row. And I understand the first year, it's always difficult with the whole, you know, well, there's a traffic attached and all this stuff. And then he goes back to KC and then, you know, I don't, I'm looking at this and I'm just happy for this guy. And then last year when they asked him to change positions, how often does that happen in Major League Baseball now? Like, hey, we can have you back, but eh, can you play second base? And Mike Moustakas is not the smallest body guy in the world. He's kind of a bigger dude. And he went over and he, like you said, had a quit second base. And I'm just proud of this guy getting to where he's gotten to. He had a lot of negatives coming up in terms of like he didn't hit left-handed pitching. And then he got his batting average up into the 280s the second year after people basically labeled him almost a platoon player. So this guy just continues to work. Great landing spot. Him and Suarez together. That's a really good combination there in that lineup. And I agree that he could definitely make a run for 40 there. Yeah, Brewers are going to have a lot of work to do. A lot of uh, offense lost from two years ago. Yeah. That great run that they had. Moustakas and, um, you know, certainly Aguilar was was great for them as well. And so, um, yeah, it's they're going to have a lot of loss there. I mean, yeah. when you look at that lineup now, it's Kane, it's Yelich. Um, I don't Keston know what's going to happen with Guessing here is a, a terrific young player. Yeah, he'll be but good. It, uh, it but yeah, Travis Shaw hit 30 home runs two years ago, too, and well, then fell off. I think so. that's what you're missing. Like, you take away the Shaw's, you know, Shaw's bad year, Aguilar's bad year. You take away, you know, Moustakis. And all of a sudden, like, all the power that you had over two years from a bunch of different assets, somebody has to step up. And Hira, as great of a hitter as he is, I don't think power's really his thing. So they're going to be a different kind of team in 2020. Yeah, he could hit 25. He had, he had, he had a bunch of bombs when he came up. But, yeah, I mean, well, well, he's not going to be Moustakis. No. Um, okay, so out of nowhere yesterday here on third down, the head coach of Washington, Chris Peterson, who has been awesome for them, just basically out of nowhere decided to step down. Uh, he's going to remain with the school in some sort of advisory role. But what he chalked this up to in the speculation is, Joe, he's just burned out. And and this is kind of sad when a guy can have this much success at a school. And, and by the way, there's always pressure. But it is incredible to me, Joe. All of this work that you do, there's really no thank you there. And the money's a great thank you, of course, but there's no thank you. Peterson's team did not get in the Final Four, did not get in the playoff. Now he's got to go out there and recruit kids again to replace the kids that left, and it's just too much of a grind for him. And so he needed a year off. He'll probably resurface somewhere else at another school. But the life of a college coach, man, it is not easy. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, Craig, but the first thing I thought of was Urban Meyer when this happened. Didn't Urban Meyer do the same thing? Wasn't he burnt out or he left at one point before he then made the next move? Twice. Twice. Okay. It was in Utah. Those are the one I'm thinking of back in like 2003 or something. No, like that. he was. He left Florida and Ohio State. Right. I remember. Is that what it was? It was the Florida one where he's burnt out. I remember at some point. Florida, he's burnt out. He returned to Ohio State. Then uh, and then Ohio State had that controversy at the end of the year. And he said right. he's burnt out now also. And he said, I'm not for sure retiring, but maybe. And now they're talking about him going to USC. So, man, that's crazy. Well, look, you know, th- these people don't realize how difficult these jobs are and how much of it, you know, it really soaks up your entire life. And some guys just do it differently. And some guys don't know any other way to do it was to put themselves all in to an extent where it becomes all consuming because that seems to be the standard here, which is kind of funny to me because there's other football coaches that don't and they're successful, too. I guess it depends on your time management skills, yeah. your your ability to delegate and trust the people you hire, too, because there's a lot of coaches. You and I both know this who micromanage everything. And there's a lot of coaches who hire the right people and trust them to do things and then kind of step away from it. And it's the difference between like a Pete Carroll style of coaching and like, you know, the kind of Bruce Arians is kind of like that too, where he kind of steps back, lets guys do certain things, you know, make sure you go to your kid's recital. You do this, you do that because he kind of gets it. And then there's other guys like John Gruden, who I remember seeing those things where he would get up at three o'clock in the morning and go into the office. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, that guy's nuts. All right, fourth down here. Uh, what's the weather situation, Joe, in, in uh, New Jersey? It's not 50. I can tell you that. I love you. Like, oh, it's so cold here. Did you wear a jacket this morning in that 50 when you dropped the kids off at school? Did you, you put on the nice hoodie there? What'd you do? 
Nah, put a little, little sweatshirt on, Joe. A little sweatshirt. A little sweatshirt. It's 32 degrees here. My driveway is a sheet of ice, and uh, that should be fun at some point. Uh, we were trying to get to the bottom of the driveway and uh, without slipping and falling. And, of course, the little one's like, I can do it. I can do it. As soon as she said, I can do it, she slipped and fell. And I said, well, that's why I told you to hold my hand. So hard lessons learned by the hard driveway. But uh, we didn't get the snowfall, luckily. So I don't All have right, to shovel well, anything. No that's shoveling good. for you. There okay. you go. No shoveling. All right. We'll uh, shovel out some Florida Man stories coming up next. We got four good ones here. It's uh, a Tuesday, so we go off the grid for a little Florida Man. That's coming up next. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And now it's time on Fantasy Sports Today to see what's going on in the Sunshine State with Florida Man. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is time for us to find the stories that no one else does. Who else in the country is doing a segment on Florida, man. And that's where we're at here on Fantasy Sports Today. The stories that you always want to hear about people who are from Florida. They're usually men and they're usually doing dumb stuff. And so we continue on here as we close out 2019 with some fun Florida man stories. Joe, are you ready to roll here with these? I am always equal parts excited and terrified for Florida man. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, Fortunately, these we've only had of the 50 of the that we've done. I think we've had like two or three that have been very close to my house. So, all right, here we go. Uh, let's get started. An intoxicated Florida man reportedly shot a seven year old boy who was playing with a toy Nerf gun at his sister's friend's house on Saturday night. If you could follow this one, a 30 year old man allegedly interrupted a group of children playing with the toy guns at a Sanford home, telling the youngsters he had a real gun with real bullets. The victim's mother uh, had left the man and children for a room about 10 minutes where he heard a lot where they heard a loud pop and ran back inside. Uh, the man's name is Anthony. Anthony shot him. The children allegedly oh told her God. she found her son with a gunshot wound to his left knee. Thankfully, that was it. Uh, he was taken to a nearby hospital after the shooting. He allegedly muttered that he was going to jail for shooting a child. It was a 22 caliber firearm, Joe. And so, uh, uh, I, don't know. I don't know what the summary is of this one, because, uh, you know, normally Nerf guns don't cause people to shoot at their kids. But in this case, it did. No, I mean, I mean, yes, we're we're lucky this kid is alive, but that getting shot in the knee does not sound like a good time. There's a lot of bone in there. That sounds incredibly painful. And what kind of a moron is like, hey, I, you got a Nerf gun. I got a real gun. Look at me. Look how small my package is. I got to show you my real gun because you got a Nerf gun. What kind of a moron does this? Not only that. This guy's 30. Look at this mugshot. He looks like he's 57 years old. This guy's 30. It's a rough 30, man. I don't know what kind of meth or whatever this guy's doing. But <laughs> it's brutal. You I don't know. Look at it. Why not crack? I don't know. Why? I don't know. What's more popular down there? I know in Arizona, I, meth I is know. a big deal because I do black book with the Arizona boys and they always talk about like there's crazy meth heads out there in Arizona. 
but I'll, I'll, I'll look into I'll look into the drug of choice here, Joe, and I'll get back to you. Well, I I, I appreciate that, Craig Mitch. I want you the to holiday that. season. We got to get had into Nerf that. guns as a kid, right? I never had Nerf guns as a kid. My parents would not buy me any kind of guns. You know, I've been very like I've never I'm very I'm very anti gun guy. But I had Nerf guns as a kid and they were fun. Like I kind of, and I actually, for the, like, you know, if you buy like the little ones, the little shooter things, you kind of run around, you know, like run around the house, you hide and you shoot each other and stuff. I think it's fun. I think it's cute. But like, I don't understand, like, you need this mega giant Nerf. You know, you see these things now, they're like, oh, they're they're huge. Yeah. Three feet long and they've got like, you know, whole cartridges of ammo with like a hundred things. Like, what are you doing with that? Like, how is a kid not getting in trouble with that? I don't understand. I don't know, but this story is even better than the last. So here we go. Uh, story number two. This is in Miami-Dade County. So, of course, this is uh, not far from me here. Oh, Lord, I just 30, saw this headline. 30-minute drive. Uh, and we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll keep it PG-13 on this one. So those of you who are listening with kids on the app or somewhere, uh, this may well, be... We a, are a family show. I mean, most people listen with their kids, I imagine, to us. Yeah. So hit the fast forward on this one if you want. I've given you at least 10 seconds. A drunk man who was pleasing himself in a Florida supermarket parking lot slugged an elderly man who told him to cut it out, a report said. The suspect, 39-year-old, we'll call him Kerry, was allegedly pleasing himself, pants down, in the Fresco E. Moss in Miami on Saturday afternoon at about 5.30 p.m., uh, CBS reported. The elderly man approached uh, Kerry and said, stop it, he later told police. The man then slugged him in the face, knocked him to the ground, uh, then continued pummeling the man while he was on the ground. Of course, Kerry was arrested on a number of charges, including indecent exposure, battery, and disorderly, of course, intoxication. Because who in the world would do this without being intoxicated, Joe? So, um, yeah, this is uh, this is a, a, a new one. Um, we, heard, <laughs> we, we had the story about the man doing something similar to this with the stuffed animal a few weeks back. Yes, that but was this is just a guy in a supermarket. I don't know. Maybe he was looking at the. Well, was he in, in the, the parking the, lot or is he in like aisle seven? Like, yeah, I'm like sure the, he wasn't in the frozen aisle. Like which aisle exactly be. is the is the aisle to do this? Yeah, you know? like I, I don't know. I don't know what aisle. You, I imagine not the frozen food section. I imagine it was down the shrinkage. Yes. Yeah, correct. the shrinkage probably not a good thing there. So yeah. probably not that. Um, I don't know if there's a. I mean, produce. I don't know. Is that? Fruit? Is he, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing produce because you know the melons and the things. There's a lot oh, of yeah. shapes and objects. I guess. And a lot of fruits can be uh, termed, but not even years. hiding it, Joe. Like full, full pants down on this one. Well, I, I, that's the thing I'm trying to try to figure out. Like, did it was it in the parking lot? Was it inside? But the headline, really, I mean, you you PG'd it. I think you could say the actual headline is PG thirteen. I don't think it's a problem personally, but the actual headline is pretty fantastic, especially because of the verbiage that they use, like about <laughs> slugs, elderly man. And you look at this guy, the the mugshots. Of this is guys, the kind of guy that looks like he would do it, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's and and I'm not sure what's going on with that hair. It's two different colors. I don't know. He knows. I'd also like to know what's a fresco moss. So fresh and more. Is that the yeah, is yeah, that like just a like chain? a yeah, grocery chain in Miami. Yeah, a Hispanic oh, wow. chain. Yeah. So um, I just meal. This is a tough story. Yeah. The guy should have definitely um, not pulled his pants down in there. All right. Here we go. The third story uh, here. This is uh, oh, another interesting one here. Also in Miami, a 67 year old Florida man is accused of cashing his mother's Social Security checks 15 years after she died. Wow. Miami Herald reports Rose Greenberg died in 2004, but her Social Security checks didn't stop. 
depositing into a joint bank account she shared with her son, Richard Greenberg. Uh, court records show Richard Greenberg received $225,000 in improper funds. Wow. Good job, Richard, trying to get over on this. An investigation into the check deposits began when the Office of Florida General's Inspector, they matched a death audit discovered after her uh, death. The last deposit was made in July. He was arrested November 18th. 55 counts of theft of government property faces a maximum penalty of 10 years. A trial is set for January 14th. This sounds like one of those stories, Joe, that, you know, you do it, you get a couple checks. You're thinking, oh, all right, this is going well. And then you don't know when to stop because then you're thinking, well, if I tell them now, do am I going to have to give some money back? What do I do? Do I keep going? Um, you know, I, look, I mean, the guy was getting away with it for years and years and years. But it's like once you start, how do you stop at that point? Right. Like, what, what is this guy supposed to do and say, oh, my bad. Let me give you back all the money I, I, I was illegally getting. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, the government screwed up. Right. So it's, it's really true. the government's failure. Yeah, it's, I guess it's your job to report that the funds are not coming in. But who's to say he didn't? See, here's the smart. The smart thing would have on his part would have been to somehow document him telling them that this is but in like a crappy way. But say, hey, look, I notified you guys or whatever. I just thought that this is what happens when someone dies. I was the next kid and I just keep getting their money. You could yeah. play stupid, especially in Florida. What's a better place to play stupid than in Florida, for God's sakes? Yeah, it certainly seems like it. But um, I mean, it's, it's now 67. It's now okay. it sounds wrong. I got to tell you. I think 10 years is a lot for this one. I don't have a huge problem. <laughs> like, I don't have a huge problem with it either. Yeah, I the guy like, just kind of got over and was like, uh, you know, you kept getting like, what do you do? You keep getting checks in the mail. You just say no to those. Like, I, I guess there are. I got to do some some quick math here. You you keep going here. I want to find out the quick math of how much he really got like per month and if it mattered. Twenty two hundred and twenty two thousand dollars. Yeah, but it's like over so, the course of 14 years. So so that's um, 15. You know, so it's 15 grand a year he was getting. Yeah, something like that. So basically, it was twelve hundred dollars a month he was getting. It's not life changing money. It's nice. It's kind of he what Andrew Yang saying. wants to do in the uh, Democratic primary. He wants to give everybody a thousand dollars a month. So this was the trial run. He could say I was working with Andrew Yang. Yeah, there it is. I don't know. Whatever. I mean, government screws up. Why did this guy have to pay? I don't think you should go to jail. I, 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 I'm guessing. Yeah, pay the money back. That's it. The problem is you don't have that money. Give him community service. God knows the community could use some service. Somebody put him at the fresco in Florida. Well, yeah, put him at the Fresco de, de Moss and let him uh, help. We can help figure out, things you know, out every day. You're right. Fresco clean up on aisle seven. Exactly. And then, and then on right. Tuesdays, pick up all the dead iguanas. I mean, it's an easy, <laughs> easy fix here. Final story. A Florida man has been arrested for the second time this month trying to bring a loaded gun second time this month through a TSA checkpoint. TSA officials say the unidentified man was arrested at Syracuse International Airport on Thursday after he was caught at a checkpoint with a loaded gun in his luggage and he was caught 21 days previously with a different uh, loaded gun uh, from Ithaca airport. He claimed that he didn't know he had a loaded gun with him. Meanwhile, you got to see this uh, video from Twitter where that shows the gun and that shows the bullets. TSA spokesman, uh, Lisa Farbine, Farb, uh, Farbstein, excuse me, tweeted a picture of the gun and the bullets. She said the same man was caught 21 days ago with a different loaded gun. In both incidents, officials said the man claimed he didn't know, that he had a loaded gun with him. Yeah. I mean, this, this guy's really hell bent on bringing a gun on a plane, man. Like, what's uh, up with that? Like, and by the way, after you do this once, like, I mean, I guess they did screen him and, and caught him the second time, Joe. But I mean, come on, man. Like, you got to get get rid of this guy already. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, it's this. Uh, I know this is a different conversation, but 
you know, I don't understand open carry laws. Why everyone's, you know, certain states are people just allowed to carry a gun. I understand guns for, for hunting. I get it. There's a lot of people who are into the sportsman stuff and, and a lot of people who, you know, like to go hunting and it's a bonding thing and it's a tradition thing. I get all that. that I don't have a problem with that. I don't like it because I'm a stupid city boy, but I don't have a problem with that. But why you have the need to carry a gun with you everywhere? I'm just sad for your life, man. Like that's just, it seems like you either live in the wrong town or you have a, a vast misunderstanding of, of what's going on around you. So I don't get this. And, and the fact, you know, it makes everybody else uncomfortable to you. And this is what's most frustrating about that guy did it twice. Yeah, so I, I don't get this at all. But uh, what happens after the first time? What are they just like? All right, now you go home. I don't guess bring so. this gun back. I guess so. But what happened to him the first time? For God's sake, first Nothing time they should have ridiculous. nailed this dude. I agree. Ridiculous. I agree. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, but it is Florida, man. That's what makes it ridiculous. Coming up next, we get back to the series. A lot of baseball moves yesterday, and um, and normally the day of of tenders in Major League Baseball was never a big deal. But in this new day and age of baseball, you have players that are all-stars and players that have had great seasons being cut, signing with other places, and we're a week away from the winter meetings as well. So we'll dive into that next. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Back with another one of those block rocking beats. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. A week from yesterday, Monday, uh, I will be at the winter meetings in San Diego. So in some form, in some way, I will be broadcasting from there. Joe will be here at home base in the Northeast. I will be in uh, San Diego, California. We'll have recaps of everything going on at the winter meeting, some interviews hopefully as well. And so you can catch me there uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week. And uh, we'll, of course, cover football as well. But uh, baseball will take over probably, I would say, half or three quarters of the show for those three days. Then we'll get back to football on Thursday as the winter meetings comes to a close. Thursday is usually the Rule 5 draft, so I will be out of there on Wednesday. No reason for me to stay Thursday. And we'll, uh, we'll give you more updates on that as the week goes on. But just make sure you tune in next Monday at noon. Whether we are recorded or whether we are live, we definitely will have some baseball programming to get to at the winter meetings in San Diego. So, as I said, you know, this really never used to be a landmark day in baseball. Teams would just basically offer arbitration to more or less all their players because they didn't want to let them go. But now in this financial day and age where the owners are making all this money and they don't want to pay the players for whatever reason in some situations, they they end up cutting guys. And we touched on this earlier in the show, but the Baltimore Orioles in a situation where they're in I would say probably a full year two of a teardown because two years ago, it wasn't like they were tearing it down. They just ended up having a horrible season. They tore it down last year and their best player on their team was Jonathan VR, hundred runs, 20 home runs, 40 steals. And the way that the Orioles looked at it and Mike Elias, who um, comes on our show uh, very often, he's been on fantasy sports today. And I like a lot of the things that he's done. Very big fan of his. Uh, decided that basically uh, VR, who was going to make $10 million, it was kind of pointless to pay 80-player $10 million 
when you're projected to lose 100 plus games again, which kind of does make sense. Orioles are going to be among the worst teams in baseball again, along with the Tigers, Kansas City Royals. And by the way, I think the San Francisco Giants are headed down in this road, too. And so with Miami, Joe, having all this money coming off the books with Martin Prado, uh, 18 million gone. Uh, Starling Castro, 12 million gone. Miami had some excess money. They went out and they grabbed VR from the Orioles. They also off waivers picked up Jesus Aguilar in a what will could be potentially a reclamation project. And so um, it kind of worked out a little bit for both sides. I know Orioles fans, Joe, have to be really disappointed. And I understand it. It's their best player. Really, one of the only reasons to go to that Major League ballpark outside of the park was to see this guy play. Uh, Trey Mancini had a great year, too. But yeah, I mean, that's it. Orioles are in for another tough time. And Miami uh, probably not going to have a great year this year. Again, it's going to be a tough year, but at least they're it looks like headed on the upswing a little bit. Or am I the, the Marlins remind me of kind of where the White Sox maybe were a year ago. Yeah, uh, I, I could see that. And um, the third thing is with the White Sox, you knew they had Moncada, Jimenez, uh, Robert. You know, they had a lot of these guys in the pipeline. Uh, the Marlins pipeline, I don't think to be quite as strong in terms of, man, you look at Aloy and the Menes, and I look at that guy and I feel like that guy could be a star. I'm waiting to see those kind of guys pop. Yep, that's true. That's we'll it. have to so see. That's the only difference. They might mm-hmm. be deep, but it's, do you have that transformational guy, that guy that can, you know, and look, they've been waiting for a couple of years for Moncada to be good. And he was finally good last year, but with Villar, I mean, looking at him and, you know, just from a, just from a fantasy standpoint to spin this in the other direction here, I would say he's a really good bet for 15 home runs and 40 steals. I wouldn't get yourself past that. I think 40 steals is definitely a good one. I think they would, would take it right now. You would take that right now. 15 of 40 oh, is a really good player for That's him. Now, two, from 260, 33% on base, 15 homers, 85 runs. Yeah. Um, you know, 60 runs batted in, 40 runs steals. Runs is the one thing I wanted to touch on because you can't think he's going to be a 90, 100 run guy. No, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think so yet, but let's see Let's see what happens in the next um, you know, month oh, or look, so. Harold Ramirez had some moments last year where I looked at him. I said, you know, there's there's a nice little player. There, there's, I'd like to see when they're all done, how this equates, because maybe yeah, it will enough. change. But as of right now, I would say Villar to me, that's like an 85 run plateau somewhere right. around there. Mm-hmm. And Jesus Aguilar, look, you know, Jesus Aguilar, when he came up through the Cleveland system, was an RBI machine. The problem was he was blocked. The problem is they never gave him a proper chance. And they finally moved him on. And two years ago, I was very bullish about him in Miller Park in the Black Book because I felt like, look, he cost you absolutely nothing. And this guy's got a really good track record. If he should find his way to at-bats over Eric Thames, I think he could be productive. And he was more productive than my wildest dreams two years ago. Anybody. Then last year. Right. So last year, I took but that what, and but, I had but, the, the but opposite Why last year? Why? Well, he was the, op- still in the Miller Park again? because because he was so much better than my wildest dreams. And now you had to pay for that. I did not like him nearly as much. And I tried to knock him down in the rankings quite a bit because I felt like the risk was so great that there was also probably a reason why, well, maybe there's a reason why he wasn't getting the opportunity as much as I thought, Hey, take a dart throw on this guy. It was, there's been a couple guys like that over the last few years where somebody's been, been, you know, kind of cast aside and you're like, well, he's cheap. Take a shot on that guy. costs you nothing. And then the following year, if he does hit, you're a little panicked about, well, I don't know if I want to buy into it two years, but I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was last year. So it's a great opportunity for them as a reclamation project. I understood it more from an American League team standpoint to take a shot on Aguilar because you could DH him a little bit and not the greatest first baseman in the world too. But hey, at this point, what the Marlins are doing are throwing out flyers on guys that are undervalued. And I think that's a great place for them to philosophically be right now because you can't get much worse and you might as well bring in some guys that have upside and both these guys have upside 
Moustakis, we touched on a four-year deal to the Cincinnati Reds. They also cut Jose Peraza, who never lived up to expectations. He's had basically three years of three months of good baseball. Can't predict when the guy has been good. It's been in really small spurts. My guess is he's an extra player on some major league team, and it's definitely not worked out for them. Uh, this These two were a bit of a surprise. Uh, Kevin Pillar, who was the Giants' best player last year, got a silly MVP vote also, believe it or not. Um, was just let go. They didn't want to tender him, Joe. And uh, look, the Blue Jays traded him basically right before opening day or after opening day, whenever that was. P- Pilar responded in a big way, had a great year for them. And if there has ever been a signal from a team, Joe, in Major League Baseball, this is the one. Giants for many, many years couldn't tear down. They didn't want to tear down with Bruce Bochy there and uh, Brian Sabian there. But make no mistake about it, Joe. Can you name three players on the Giants right now? I don't know what they are doing, man. This <laughs> this is it's all bad. the way down, I think, for them. Uh, Arizona and that's another be team okay. that doesn't have a good pipeline. That's my problem with San Fran. Is, is, well, they have to do what why, they're doing. This is why they got to do it. They got to get the first pick. This is why you had to trade Bumgarner. This is why I don't understand. You had an asset, a proven pitcher. Even if you didn't get a good haul, even if you just got a haul of bodies as opposed to – I mean, look – you know, I always kind of bring it back to like that Mets trade with R.A. Dickey, right? Well, you think Darno's the guy, and then Noah Syndergaard becomes something that you never expected. I feel like they would have been much better served doing that than necessarily getting the draft pick. I, I know some people will disagree with that, but I feel like they need so much help that it's it's just a tough sell. Like you have an asset, like you, you know, you have an asset. Like well, we don't Warner. know what they could have gotten, Joe. That's the key there. You well, know, yeah, but they, they would have gotten answer. something. And well, I think we don't that, know that. We don't know the answer to that. Maybe you, you, you would be right in your thinking, but we don't really know the answer to what it would have been. And so if they figure that that first round pick is worth more than any other player that they would have gotten in a deal, then that's the reason why they did it. Uh, they have two players in the minors. Uh, uh, Helio Ramos and Joey Bart, both are future players for them. But on the I'm big league, tricky rock- with those catchers, though. On the big league roster, they have Buster Posey. They have Evan Longoria. They made huge mistakes in judgment in, um, you know, for many years, bringing Lincecum back. Andrew McCutcheon they brought in a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Farhan Zaidi is going to do the right thing. It's going to be a very painful year, I think, coming up for the San Francisco Giants. you got the Padres competing. you got the Diamondbacks, who are always competing. And you got the Dodgers, who are a juggernaut. I'm scared. And the Padres acquiring Profar, which is a nice little pickup for them. They got got a lot. They got a little you know, flexibility there. They got a nice young talent. Tatis is a is a monster. You know, I mean, Machado had a good first year there. Not great, but good. You know, as you expect to transition there. The first year of those big contracts are always kind of a letdown for the most part. And then guys kind of get right. But, you know, going back to Moustakis, too, because I just did his profile in the Black Book a couple weeks ago. I just pulled it up here to look. Um, it says, once upon a time, left-handed pitching gave him trouble, but he straightened that out. Hitting 276 versus Southpaws last year yet again. And he actually hit worse against right-handed pitching, 244 last year. So if he corrects that, that's a huge potential boost for Moustakas. And in Miller Park, which is actually really good, we talked about earlier, good hitters park, he slashed just 231, 302, 463 slugging compared to 276, 353, 567 on the road. So sometimes it's a visual thing with certain ballparks. Sometimes it's just the feel. Sometimes at home, guys press. There's all kinds of different reasons. But Moustakas was actually better outside of Miller Park. So there's a lot of things here that make you really excited I mean, the last three years, he went from 38 home runs to 28 to 35. And I don't see why he can't make a run of 40 in that ballpark and, and you know, what they're doing there. So it's a great, it's a great win for Cincinnati here with Moustakas. I know we talked about him before, but I just want to throw that out there that, you know, he wasn't propped up by Miller Park because I think that's something automatically, if you're a baseball fantasy person, you go, oh, he's probably popped up a little by Miller Park. No, not the case. In fact, yeah. the slash was better outside and just 14 of his 35 home runs came in Miller Park. So keep that in mind as well. 
Yep. Uh, final final note here. This is a tricky one here. Uh, the A's cut Blake Trinan. Um, listen, if you if you don't learn your lesson now on closers, you never will. These guys, <laughs> they're good one year. They're terrible the next. Um, you know, Trinan, who had any indication? Would you say good or great? I mean, he was great in 2018. <laughs> and there's been a million be of them, and there'll be a million of them this year. You and he cannot... was great in 2017, too, for, for the bulk of that. And, the, the, and now what? Anyway. And now what? Non-tendered. I mean, it is closers come and go so fast. Uh, you, you cannot in fantasy invest. You cannot in reality invest. It's a, just a huge mistake. I think the A's did the right thing. I think someone will sign Blake Trine into a one-year or two-year deal. He'll get five, six million a year, something like that, Joe. Uh, but Liam Hendricks came on really well for them at the end of last year. Guess who will be a bust this year? Liam Hendricks will be a bust this, <laughs> this is, this is what happened. Will be good somewhere else. But, but fantasy up. season will come in two months, and someone will say, you got to make sure. You know, I was so happy. I got my two elite closers. And I mean, I do this every there year, was, and it's the same there every was a year. window five six years ago something you know i've been doing black book for 10 years now and when i started there was a there was an era there where you could kind of bank on these guys that had the you know the mariano rivera's later in the career you know guys that you knew just they were never giving up the job they were 30 save locks and then i would say in the latter half the last five years of the black book that has really changed in terms of the approach we were very much about you know you can go out there and if you're gonna go and pay pay for the top tier and then just let it go now if you look at my pitcher list mock that we did a couple weeks ago, I know it took you three months to finish it. I, I might still yeah, be going on potentially. No, it's done. Um, but if you look back at my draft, I didn't pay for any closers at all. I went all It's a huge mistake. It but is not a only huge that. Like, I, didn't even, I didn't barely even took relievers. I'm I'm literally this year in season long roto looking at give me the most strikeouts I can get, give me the most starting pitchers I can get. I'm just gonna go volume, volume, volume with that to the best of my ability. And in terms of saves, I will use my free agent budget that way. And if you can do yeah, that, or take a guy at the end. Well, and, and it, 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 listen, it, it, Liam it, freaking Hendricks. Okay, like, and the I worst mean, thing you do is pay in the middle. You know, the Cody Allen's of the world are the guys are going to break you. The guys that you spend twelve, fifteen dollars on in the middle of this tier are the absolute worst thing you can same do. Same thing first. every year, yeah, every year, same thing. Don't but, do uh, that. But trying and look, I I hope it turns around for trying and I could see him doing well in a uh, halfway decent spot. But uh, the A's don't need him, and they're not going to spend on a guy like that. So he where would you like to see him land? Where's a good spot where he could be an eighth inning guy with maybe upside? Um, I mean, here's a dumb question: Would San Francisco do well to go grab a guy like that? Oh no, um, he's going to contend. Only because what if you turn him around? All of a sudden, he becomes very useful, and you can then sell yeah, him. If, off if it's person. a one year deal, then that makes sense. That's what I'm saying. Um, like, here's one year, Blake Trinan. Come out here. We got rid of Melanson. So. We got rid of no, Will Smith. No, here's no. your opportunity, and if he plays well, you flip him, and you can no. start to. All right. No. Uh, I, I, I think he's, he's <laughs> one of those guys that's going to get paid a little bit. Um, so my guess would be really? wow, off a five, six ERA, he's going to get, yeah, paid. Wow. someone will take a shot. I would say Joe, the Minnesota twins would be a decent landing spot for him. That would be, one. that's not bad. I would that's say the Los Angeles one. angels would be a good spot for him. Uh, those will be two that come to mind for me. Robles pitched really well, though, surprisingly. All right, that'll do it for hour number one. Uh, coming up, we got the back end of our first hour, which is the best of. And then we'll be back for hour number two right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Did you guys see the Irishman? We did. We'll talk about it next. Time. 
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. You know, normally Nerf guns don't cause people to shoot at their kids, but in this case, it did. No, I mean, I mean, yes, we're we're lucky this kid is alive, but that getting shot in the knee does not sound like a good time. There's a lot of bone in there. That sounds incredibly painful. And what kind of a moron is like, hey, I you got a Nerf gun? I got a real gun. Look at me. Look how small my package is. I got to show you my real gun because you got a Nerf gun. What kind of a moron does this? Not only that, this guy's 30. Look at this mugshot. He looks like he's 57 years old. This guy's 30. It's a rough 30, man. I don't know what kind of meth or whatever this guy's doing, but it's brutal. You I don't know. Look at it. Why not crack? I don't know. Why? I don't know. What's more popular down there? I know in Arizona, I, meth I is know. a big deal because I do black book with the Arizona boys and they always talk about like there's crazy meth heads out there in Arizona. But I'll, I I'll, look, into, I'll look into the drug of choice here, Joe, and I'll get back to you. Well, I, I, I appreciate that, Craig Mitch. I want you the to. The holiday I, season. We got to get had into Nerf meth. guns as a kid, right? I never had Nerf guns as a kid. My parents would not buy me any kind of guns. You know, I've been very like I've never I'm very I'm very anti gun guy, but I had Nerf guns as a kid and they were fun. Like I kind of and I actually for the like, you know, if you buy like the little ones, the little shooter things, you kind of run around, you like run around the house, you hide and you shoot each other and stuff. I think it's fun. I think it's cute. But like I don't understand like you need this mega giant Nerf. You know, you see these things now. They're like oh they're they're huge, yeah, three feet long and they've got like you know whole cartridges of ammo with like a hundred things. Like what are you doing with that? Like. How is a kid not getting in trouble with that? I don't understand. 